Africa as a continent is in danger of being reduced to consumers of this fourth industrial revolution. That's a lot to think about. And I'd like to jump straight in and firstly welcome Dr. Hasmuk Gajar. Thank you very much for making time to, to meet with us today and to, to share your experiences and knowledge of the fourth industrial revolution and where we as a continent are going. And really importantly, just illustrates what Mobile Learn are doing um, and why they're doing what they're doing in this amazing space that we're in. And, and I'm honored to have you on this call. Thank you very much for me, James Rasmus at Tech Central. Please introduce yourself, Dr. Gajar. Well, my name is Hasmuk Gajar. Uh, most people call me Doc. Uh, I'm currently the CEO of MobiLearn that we started off about four years ago. And morning to you, James. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Wonderful. Wonderful to have you here. Please jump in and tell, tell us about this fourth industrial revolution and what MobiLearn are doing to, to, to combat that statement I made earlier. Well, it was quite interesting. We had a fourth industrial revolution symposium or conference, I think, in 2019, before, the year before the pandemic. And our president was there as well. And there was quite a bit of a rah-rah emotion about fourth industrial revolution. And our previous minister of communications talked about being the general that's going to deploy the army into the fourth industrial revolution. And there was a lone voice of a gentleman that was brought in as a speaker. And he said, he thinks that we are climbing up a digital tree that's really not ready for our continent. Uh, his view was that we, we should seriously focus on manufacturing, developing our ma manufacturing sector. And he alluded to countries like China, even USA, UK, most of Europe, and they migrated from a very strong manufacturing economic economy to migrating to this digital age. So they, they've gone through all the different revolutions. We kind of jumping a few of them. And can, can, can we not sorry, can we not use that leapfrog as, an, as a, a benefit to ourselves? It is, but there are certain fundamentals that have to be in place uh, okay. in your evolution to take a, yes, leapfrog from a technology point of view, leapfrog from an infrastructure point of view, but the human capital has not leapfrogged. So that's yeah. probably in the underlying issue. And more so is that what part of our economy from a GDP point of view is going to drive the leapfrog. So infrastructure, uh, mostly the private sector has driven the evolution of technology, especially the mobile operators, rather than government policy or a government vision. So this lone voice suggested that we focus on manufacturing. That kind of got me thinking about this. And for us to participate in a digital economy, we really need to enhance the digital skills of the major sections of our community. Unfortunately, our economy is informed by our past. So in this digital economy, those who have access to capital, those who have access to skills are thriving in this digital economy. And more importantly, 
they're making money out of the digital economy. The rest of the population that does not have access to skills or capital are merely reduced to becoming consumers. So I think it's really critical that we promote digital literacy at a very fundamental level. And the most fundamental level is that in Africa, and especially in South Africa, the most ubiquitous infrastructure is the mobile phone. Just about everybody has a mobile phone. And people sacrifice their budgets to spend on data acquisition and at the cost of food, schooling, and certain very, very basics. Yet... And the the typical content being consumed, I guess, is social media messaging. Exactly, exactly. So bulk of that hard-earned money spent on data is then used for entertainment or social media. Very little of the smartphone is used for productivity or personal growth or use it where it has an economic benefit. So let me give you one example. I did a research in Kailicha Mall about three years ago before I started Mobiland. And I worked there for three years, so I know the environment. Six o'clock in the morning, there were some 600 people in front of ATMs. Now, in a mall in Kailicha, almost every financial institution is well represented. So we, I took a few students with me to ask everybody what phone do they have with them. 80% had a smartphone. Now, you and I sit at the breakfast table and we do our banking on that smartphone, yet folks get up 6 o'clock in the morning in line in front of an ATM to do their banking. Something's amiss. So, okay. another- so what, what, what I'm hearing you leading to is, is to talk about the fact that this mobile phone and the access to the mobile phone and data is actually going to revolutionize the way in which we behave as citizens. Yes, we are already uh, behave, uh, behaving differently. Unfortunately, the impact is quite uh, differing. So where you and I probably use the mobile phone 70 to 80% of the time for productivity and for usefulness in the work that you do. Okay. The ratio is completely inversed for those who are not aware of the smartphone. So the smartphone is equivalent to a computer. Most consumers know 15 or 20% of the computing power of a computer. It's no Mm. different than a smartphone. So the fact remains that when I'm in Kailicha and I want to send my address to somebody, I have a conversation, I do it on WhatsApp, and eventually my visitor gets in a taxi, comes to my place or gets lost, the taxi goes around and around because they don't know how to use Google Maps. Now, all of these apps are free. So and preloaded on, and on many of the Android exactly. devices. So I simply send a, uh, a, a pin on my, from my phone to my visitor and, hey, sure. they would know. Exa- but it, it, 
it reduces to even more fundamental. The longest lines in the, uh, uh, some of the stores in emerging markets are photocopying. You'll be surprised how many documents get photocopied every day. And lamination. So when you and I have a driver's license or a marriage certificate, we put that very, very nicely in a lever arch file and we put it in our study. If you're living in an informal sector, how do you preserve your document? Mm. So by teaching people simply to take a picture of the document, storing it on Google Drive, if they, if they understand that if they lose the phone and as long as they retain the password to their Google uh, applications, the documents are still there. So why spend money on laminating and photocopying when they have a smartphone. You and I don't photocopy or laminate. No, I don't own a photocopy machine anymore. Yeah. Guys, what, what I'm really also understanding here is that there's a digital revolution that's happening and there's some education that, that you're enabling as MobiLearn mm -hmm. um, and, and who better with someone with your, your, your background and we'll get into that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But what I'd love to understand is, is the different levels of engagement you, you talked about the, sim the simple task of yes. you know, setting up a, an account, storing stuff to the cloud um, to, to avoid the, the unnecessary of printing and laminating. But what are some other elements that MobiLearn are bringing to the population and, and what are the costs perhaps associated with accessing MobiLearn? Well, we, uh, uh, we have two parts to the business. And in fact, we're currently splitting the business so that the uh, brand doesn't get confusing. So most times when I ref refer folks to the content that we create, so most of the content we have created thus far is really entry level, what I call a rookie's guide. Somebody who's just bought an Android phone and wants to learn how to use the phone more effectively and more productively, we then have courses online that go through the fundamentals of Android, fundamentals of all the Google apps, and so on and so on. And these are all at no cost. So simply okay. go to our learner platform, uh, go through the course, and it's free of charge, really. But not only do, do we do these training videos, I'm extremely sensitive of the value of language or the importance of language. So some of these videos we've done in Corsa, and in Zulu, and for the commercial side of it, actually we've done the videos in 11 languages. So Brilliant. I think there's a, 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 a investment on our side to understand that language is quite critical. So it's free, and, and in fact, we did recently a course on the e-filing app from SARS. And I, I actually need to write to Mr. Kiswetter and refer him to this course. So we've done that very basic fundamentals of how to use the e-filing app, both in English and in Corsa. So although we are looking at the entry-level user of a smartphone, we want to grade that over time where teachers find it useful, professionals find it useful, and even C-suite business executives may find it useful. 
So how do I leverage automation and the application to manage my productivity and most importantly, my time? So our plan is really to cut across the spectra of users. And Dr. Gajra, I understand you're collaborating with a number of different you know, people, skills, and organizations. That brings a, a wealth of depth into yes. the content you, you're producing. Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about that, well, those partnerships, right? Yeah, we, we engage with the CoLab at the University of Western Cape here. And they actually asked us specifically to develop mobile literacy for rural communities. So that was quite a good experience for us because they did research in the rural community and did a needs analysis that informed the way we create our narrative and the way we pitch this training. We obviously, uh, uh, being a medical doctor, we collaborate with the medical school at uh, University of Cape Town. So for example, when the pandemic hit, we created uh, educational videos on COVID. So we created a video on the ep epidemiology of the virus, uh, what flattening of the curve means, and also the masking. And for the health workers, what they call doffing and donning. It actually went absolutely viral across the continent because people wanted to know how do I prepare myself before I enter a ward where I'm managing a COVID patient? But the important thing is we did it in English, Afrikaans, Osa, and Zulu. And all of this content was presented by the actual physicians themselves. So who better to educate the public than the cohort that's in the infectious diseases unit at Grutzke Hospital? Brilliant. And you clearly know your customer and your user and how to present content to exactly, them. Exactly. Dr. Gajra, I'm fascinated to know, how did you get here in the first place? You've, you've got a, a, a rich history um, and a, and a, a long-standing career in, in the tech space and telecommunications. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Well, i born in Utenaik, uh, out in the Eastern Cape. Uh, they say all the good people come from the Eastern Cape. That may have been true 30, 40 years ago. I'm not so sure about it now. Uh, and I came to study at uh, medical school, UCT, in 1971, and I qualified in 1977. Uh, did my internship here in Cape Town, the two years at Livingston Hospital in PE, and came back to Grootske, went into general practice, and I, I was personally not cut out to be a general practitioner because I worked too long in the hospital, so I really wanted to see real pathology, and I felt a little uncomfortable writing six certificates for folks who really didn't need a certificate. So I decided to specialize. But in the meantime, uh, that was about 88, uh, during sanctions, it was very difficult to get hold of software. But I bought my first Apple uh, 2E in uh, 1984. And I just loved the technology. And I then... Uh, dived into every application I could get hold of. Lotus 123, DBase, you name it, I, I, I played with it. So much so that I used some of the WordStar, DataStar, ReportStar to 
develop my own solution in my practice as a dispensing doctor because there were no dispensing accounting systems, so I had to create my own. Because I loved the software, uh, a, f- a friend of mine who became my patient or a patient who became my friend, uh, he said to me, I'm really impressed by a doctor who has a computer on his desk. Uh, forget about <laughs> your medical skills. So he said, well, I also, I'm also interested in software. We started exchanging software. And then we started buying software. And because of our awareness and know-how, we started selling the software. Before I knew it, he started a garage operation, uh, reselling the software. And our facility or our store actually became a hive of activity during the struggle years. Because we were seen to be safe. People came to our store to use Harvard Graphics and PageMaker to create posters. We had a large color printer, so they printed the posters in color. So in the evening, our store was an activity of activists. And that's really how I got involved more with community projects. And uh, so, but I was really still interested in specializing. And before we knew it, my my partner said, well, before you specialize, why don't you help me build a business uh, and uh, stay around for six months? Well, before I knew it, I never got out of it. So from being a software reseller, we marched to uh, Las Vegas at Comdex. And we said, we'd like to distribute your software. And we we tabled ourselves as a black-owned company in Cape Town. And lo and behold, our political positioning was completely destroyed when somebody, even at Microsoft and WordPerfect and everywhere, you don't actually look black, you're Indian. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, oh my gosh. So uh, we, no matter what we explain, so, but politically we are black. They were not interested. So we came back very uh, depressed. Four or five months later, we got a fax in those days, in the end of 88, and WordPerfect wrote to us. And they said, if you have plans to come to Spring Comdex in Chicago, uh, we'd like to have a meeting with you. Whether we were planning to go to Chicago or not, I was on the plane in April 89 to Chicago and acquired the direct agency for WordPerfect for Southern Africa. So we were then the official distributors of WordPerfect. And my partner said, you really now spe- need to spend another year in this business before you go back to medicine. So before we knew it, I had the agency for WordPerfect. We had the agency for Lotus. We had the agency for Everex. We had the agency for PageMaker. All the key premium publishers that were officially not present in South Africa. So that was really my launch into the business world of technology. I think I never got into business for economics. I always get into business for causes. And somehow... That's that's actually what I was about to say. It sounds as if the the, the mobile health space, the mobile learning space, um, the provision of software and technology... um, Starts you have an internet cafe before you know knew about the internet. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I said to myself in 89, we are going to challenge 
the established business. And since we are official distributors of WordPerfect, we were selling the upgrades as well. Remember, this is 89, a very different world mm. to today. And um, so people had to buy the software from us to get the upgrade. And they insisted that we sell the upgrades to them, although they didn't buy the initial package from us. And in fact, Engloval got involved. And then we got this lawyer's letter from somebody to say that we're going to sue you if you don't sell us the upgrades. Well, the corporate counsel from WordPerfect wrote to them, it'll be our pleasure to meet you in court. So with that kind of support and that mm. kind of enablement as a small, tiny, what we called ourselves as a black-owned company, we were able to grow. So black economic empowerment to me, to me meant a productive asset, creation of a productive asset. And we had to run a call center. My first 20 employees had never seen a computer before. And all of them ran a call center. So I realized what's possible in the transformation and evolution of human capital if we have the correct intent and if we apply ourselves and most importantly, we invest. It sounds like you are positioning yourself once again to, to embrace the revolution, embrace technology, bring all those services that you've, you've and, and skills and passion that you've developed over these years and I know you've got a, a very rich history, which you would, you know, I, I could be spent <laughs> days, days talking about, and I, I really look forward to getting to know you better. Um, I think what what we've definitely learned today is that without the passion of of truly truly committed South Africans like yourselves, without the the access to to, to information and the, the ubiquitous the use of that ubiquitous device, the mobile phone, we might lag as a continent. Absolutely. So thank you, thank you for positioning us better as, as South Africans. Mm-hmm. And I think what we need to do is really get the message out there and, and market your product, market the, the services that you offer, and the fact that people shouldn't be standing in a bank queue waiting to draw cash Correct. or Correct. Whatever, whatever, whatever happens at an ATM. They should really be spending more time engaging with your content on the device that's sitting idle in their pocket. Right. Correct, correct. Look, you know, 80% of access to internet is through the mobile device. The tragedy is that most of the training companies or those who provide training usually do that on a desktop or a laptop. And most of the learners, when they leave that environment, have no access to that kind of infrastructure to practice what they've learned. So my belief is teach first on the mobile device, because that's what they have. That's what they can practice. And what we can do with Google Docs or Google Sheets or Google Map on the desktop, we can do exactly that on the mobile phone. So from a digital literacy point of view, what, I, what I'm trying to promote is the notion of mobile digital literacy. Brilliant. And I think that's a, a wonderful comment to end on. Dr. Gajah, for me, James Rass was at Tech Central. 
I'd like to thank you very, very much for your time today, for the, passion, for the passion you bring to this product, and also to say a very happy birthday for Friday. <laughs> well, I'll be turning 71, and my sons say to me, uh, they're 45 and 44, they have no idea how I keep reinventing myself. So there's a lot to share with you, James, and I, hopefully we have another opportunity to talk about my new passion, which is online meetings. So we'll jump into oh. it the next time we meet. We, we, we very much look forward to that. Thank you, sir. Thank you and good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye.